21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. Zidart is a musician turned digital geek. As an acclaimed lifestyle entrepreneur and international speaker, he has trained over 50,000 professionals and 700 brands across four countries. Recognized as one of India's leading info marketing specialists, Zidart has been featured in leading newspapers across the country and worked on projects involved with people like Robert Kiyosaki, Harvey Kerr, Tony Robbins and Jack Canfield, just to name a few. After running many multi-million dollar online campaigns for companies and helping people make money online in the last seven years, Zidart has now developed and perfected the Freedom Business Model, which is helping more than 15,000 people become digital coaches, which focuses on how to build a superior, profitable and automated digital business without any office or employees. Wearing multiple hats, Zidart is a husband of a loving wife, a father, minimalist, futurist, spiritualist, blogger, video marketer, as well as a podcast host. His mission is to build an army of digital leaders built on core principles of humanity and simplicity by improving one's social skills, happiness, productivity and evasiveness. As I was just finishing cooking before recording the podcast with Zidart, we started with relation between food and energy. Here uh, I'm based in India, so it's rice. So and we we get the we get the regular stuff here. It's coming. So our breakfast is usually we have uh, rice-based uh, you know items like there's something called dosa and idli. You know these are like very common here. Uh, we make we make it out of rice itself, and that is had with uh, with something called sambar. It's like a liquid. Sambar is actually uh, it's a liquid form which is uh, had in a hot way, and they mix a lot of vegetables in it. It's like a stew, something like a stew, which is had along with rice. It has uh, everything. It's got all the proteins. It's got all the all the vegetables in it. So it's easy to it's easy to make, and it's uh, it's sumptuous. It's like wholesome in, on its own. We have it for breakfast. We have sambar even for lunch. Okay, so it depends on the cuisine. And if I have to show you like an Indian, uh, South Indian thali, it's called a thali. You should just check this out. Okay. This is a full course meal, which we eat on a leaf. Not every day. We eat on a plate. But during festivals, we eat on a leaf, which has rice. It has got some munchies and crunchies. It's got sambar. It's got sweet. And it's got a lot of other vegetables. There are other, uh, you know, there are other groups that also have meat on leaf, and uh, so their delicacies are slightly different. For me, vegetarianism is—it's uh, more to do with, you know, living a more conscious life, not hurting animals, you know. So that, and uh, normally, if you see in Indian culture, we we offer uh, foods to, you know, to the Lord, and then we have them, and uh, we normally don't offer meat. People don't offer meat in the temples and other places. So it's sanctified food, you know, they, they, they call it that way. It is more to do with uh, consciousness because uh, food has consciousness and the, right from the person who's cooking it the, and what's going in the ingredients and then you consuming it, 
you leave health aside because health is always going to be there. You know, the meat has protein, all that stuff. But there's more like spiritual consciousness where you're able to connect uh, on a spiritual level, connect with ourselves and connect with the higher force. From a business term, the I'm able to create more awareness in people on how they need to live a more conscious life where business is a noble activity to, uh, to really make a difference in the world. It is not just about making money, but it's about holistic living. Yeah. Okay. So Siddharth, let's bring the holistic epistemology. There are four pillars of Dharma, according to the Indian, uh, I would say the Vedic lifestyle. The first pillar is the pillar of mercy. So if we abstain from eating meat, we are, we are more having, we are merc- we're merciful on the animals. So that's the first pillar. The second pillar of Dharma is uh, truthfulness. And those uh, people who, I mean, if, if you don't gamble, you, you acquire the, the Dharmic qualities of truthfulness. People who gamble, normally they don't have that quality. Number three is cleanliness. Uh, one of the core principles of living is, uh, which is of course there in other religions, is adultery, not you know, being committed to one partner. It is to do with cleanliness of the mind and the body. And number four is austerity. Austerity is also a very good trait for progress in spirituality. So we, uh, we don't have uh, intoxication. We don't drink alcohol. Uh, okay. Of course, the society is different. But if you go to the root of the culture, it is if you're able to abstain from meat, if you're able to abstain from intoxication, if you're able to abstain from gambling, and if you're able to abstain from illicit sex, then uh, you would be living a life which is grounded on, on humane principles, where you have the qualities of mercy, austerity, cleanliness, and truthfulness. And how does it influence on uh, your daily energy flow? It impacts in a huge way. So the way that I'm able to communicate, the way that I'm able to, uh, you know, be grounded in whatever I do, uh, it has a huge impact. Can you explain, please, grounded? Grounded is more understanding that uh, we are not this body, we are the soul, and we have a journey. And uh, we have previous lives, we have future lives. So what we are doing right now and the, and the actions that we do right now is going to create, you know, those, those different levels of, uh, of actions and reactions. I mean, what actions we take now is, is going to create reactions in the future. So if you're aware, when we are grounded, then we're able to live a more purposeful life, which is really adding value to people and helping them also increase their awareness. So can we influence on our life? Yes. By, by, by being grounded in these four principles, uh, you would be able to live a more a sublime life where you are not really bound by karmic reactions. Can you explain a little bit more, please, uh, karmic reactions? So, Newton's law, what goes around comes around, right? So, the same can be applied at different stages. And according to the Indian philosophy is there are different levels of karma. So karma is the principle of action and reaction. So whatever action that we do, it has an equal and opposite reaction. 
So, and uh, there are karmic activities which can pull you down, which is negative activities. So you hurt somebody, you, you kill somebody, you do something, you know, there is a reaction that may come in this life or maybe the next life or at the various timelines that that's there. And we, we may also be carrying karmic baggages from previous lifetimes also. So that's one side of it, the negative. There's also positive karma. That means you do good activities. You also gain positive credits that you can go and, and cash. That means you would, you know, you would have better quality life. You may have, you know, the riches and the name, the fame, the power, but even according to Indian culture, even positive karma is negative because at some time you got to, you got to like, you know, ah. it's like exhausting a credit card. Yes. <laughs> okay. So the ideal way to live life is to be neutral and neutral karma is, is uh, living life in service to, in, to God, to the higher force, but there are different names that people give to it. Um, and when you, when you are living a life and running a business and uh, making decisions where you are not looking for the fruits of those results, but you are living a life where you, you're serving people, you're serving a higher force, serving God, then you're out of that loop. And uh, if you live this kind of a lifestyle, then you can get out of the cycle of birth and death. So, uh, when you are dealing with people from Western Hemisphere, do you, uh, how do you develop the bridge, the communication channel regarding the differences in uh, experiencing yourself, your life? So, what I shared with you right now is, is like a little bit deeper philosophy where you know, people will, will understand if they go deep into reading of the concepts and they go deep into understanding scripture from a very objective standpoint, not from a fanatical standpoint, because religion without philosophy is uh, fanaticism and uh, philosophy without religion is just a mental speculation. People also just cook up things. Yeah. So there has to be a grounding of uh, when I say grounding, there has to be a combination of both where you're getting knowledge from a higher source and you're also looking at the world on how it is. So the bridge is created when you are, you're open to looking at every society as one of the different channels or different paths going back to the same source. And each one would have their own process. They may have their own system to realize the truth. So it is appreciating all of that. And as one you know, goes deeper into reading, they can choose whatever path that they want ultimately what works for them how much people from europe uh, from the states from the western world understand your concepts there are a lot of people who do if you see uh, there's a place called uh, mayapur in india and uh, every year there is a there's a big festival that happens over there and i keep going there every year and predominantly there are five 10,000 people who come from European countries, from Russian, from Russia, from all over the world. 
and from it's literally like the United Nations of the world, where I can actually see people from 20 plus countries all coming together to understand their higher purpose in life. And it's amazing. And uh, you need to see that to experience it. And I, I experienced that because it's not about religion. It's about understanding things from a purpose, from the perspective of the soul and relation with the higher consciousness. So yes, the answer is there are a lot of people who are inquisitive about Vedic knowledge because Vedic knowledge is not a religion. It used to be a lifestyle. And then, uh, and you go back to the roots, it goes back to thousands and thousands of years. So it is more like how to live a, a good quality life. And of course, due to time, place and circumstances, uh, things have changed and things evolved in different parts of the world. So when people actually come to India to find their roots, they're able to find that connection. There's some magical feeling they have that they're able to really connect and they get into the practice of it. So the practice is like the processes of meditation or understanding oneself and going inwards. So the answer to that, your, to your question is, the bridge is created by being, by being uh, objective, but as a practitioner, once as a person is inquisitive and starts practicing the knowledge, then they realize that there is some connection there. Let's speak a little bit about lifestyle. Give us a hint. Uh, give us the Ruth to think about our way of lifestyle and what, what are we supposed to do? from your point of view, from your perspective? So the lifestyle. So I started off, uh, you know, I grew up in a, in a typical South Indian family, uh, but I was also exposed to, you know, the Christian values. I was brought up in a convent school. I used to sing in the school choir for many years. Uh, read the Bible, read uh, other scripture. Lived in Dubai for a few years. So I also understand Islamic values. And I got into this whole quest of, uh, you know, understanding the connection between, uh, you know, living a life of purpose and connecting it back to service to God in various different forms. So the lifestyle that I used to live was, you know, family being on the front, it was a joint family. We used to live together. I used to live with my grandpa, with my uncles, aunts. We all lived under one roof. Uh, the ladies of the house were very, very good at cooking. Uh, you, they would make a lot of, uh, even now, you know, that's, it's a very, very important integral part of the culture of the lifestyle is to cook really good food and have different varieties of it. And it's like a festival. Every day is a festival. And there are so many festivals in India, uh, which, you know, every, every day is a celebration of something. It could be, really? uh, yeah. Amazing. So in a month, in a month, there would be at least five to six days of, uh, celebration. It could good. be a festival. It could be uh, a great saint's uh, birthday. It could be something, you know, it could be coming. And there would, there would also be fasting days. So a part of the culture is also in, in the cycle of the moon, uh, twi two days in a month, we would completely fast. So that's a, that's a part of the culture also. So I was brought up in that culture. And, uh, and later on, of course, like any modern city, got into the work life, like just like any, anyone else. Like I've been brought up in a metropolitan, cosmopolitan city. And uh, high-rise buildings, traffic jams, you know, that is there. But if you go to each home, you would find a place of sanctity also at home. Each home would be, would be like a small temple and people would have their own way to connect in wherever you go. So if you look at the lifestyle element right now, what I have adopted for myself is uh, 
more to do with minimalism. I've also adopted concepts of minimalism again from the the learnings that I've had is having less. I don't need too many things to be happy. I don't want to connect things to happiness, but I want to connect experiences to happiness. And experiences could mean you know quality time with family, uh, connecting with God, uh, taking the family out. There are so many everything which is all family centric, family oriented. And having said that, uh, I also read this book on uh, called "Thou Shall Prosper" by by Rabbi uh, Daniel Lapin, where he talks about it's, it's, it's a, it, it comes even from the from the Jewish uh, influence. So I was studying that, and it really made a lot of sense. It was actually connecting back to even the culture over here, where business is a noble activity. It's an activity of really, if done in the right way with the right spirit, is you are doing this in service to God and you know, you're, you're actually helping people grow in whatever service that you're providing them. So right now my lifestyle is more in a point where I work hundred percent from home. I'm spending a lot of time with family. I'm teaching uh, more than 30,000 people right now become to become digital leaders because especially in the world that we're in right now, everybody's online. Everyone is doing this. And I found this, uh, this calling in 2018 because for a, for a good six, seven years, I was running a typical agency, digital marketing agency, doing work for others, running campaigns. In fact, I worked with Robert Kiyosaki, run campaigns for Tony Robbins, Jack Canfield, you name, shared the stage with Brian Tracy, Dr. Don, John D. Martini shared the stage with him. So after, uh, you know, doing a lot of agency work, decided to get into this path of uh, teaching people online to become digital teachers or digital coaches, how they can take their knowledge and how they can package that into products, how they can package that into coaching so that they can help others with the knowledge that they have. So though in India, I mean, you would find people in all walks of life uh, choosing different kinds of lifestyle. Some are completely materialistic lifestyle. Some of them are on the other extreme of super spiritualism where they completely renounce. Uh, personally, I decided to adopt the path of Arjuna. Where Arjuna, he fought the battle. He did not quit, but he did it with a different intention. Uh-huh. And if you know the Mahabharata, Duryodhana was on the other side and he wanted uh-huh. to get all the kingdoms for himself, which was self-centered. Whereas Arjuna, he fought the battle for Krishna. He fought for his best friend, the Supreme Lord. Uh, according to the Vedas, Krishna is a supreme personality. So when Arjuna fought with love, when he did every activity, he fought like any other warrior where his intention was different, then the entire, the entire game changes because he's not doing it from a self-centered approach. He's doing it from a, from a service-oriented approach. It's a, it's a devotional service. He's, he's doing it out of devotion. So that is an ideology that uh, I've incorporated into my lifestyle thanks to my spiritual masters and my mentors who have given me this, uh, this lens to look at living life and business. So for me, Yes, I love to make a lot of money. I help a lot of people. And uh, whatever I'm making, I, I give 10% of whatever I make towards charities and causes that I believe in. And uh, we are living in this world where money is an important integral part of, of business. So running the family, having, the, you know, having whatever comforts that we need to, to sustain in this world and to grow in this world and to create that kind of... A, you know, a lifestyle. And if you look at it, even though there's a lot of, you know, uh, abundance, 
we don't splurge on uh, say partying and uh, you know that those kind of activities we, we don't indulge in those those four elements you know meat eating intoxication gambling and and other activities so everything is centered towards uh, contribution and channelizing all our energies to to make people progress so that's the journey i'm in right now where i'm you know i really want to create the next breed of digital teachers and leaders who can truly add value to people's lives before going to digital leaders how would you define love so love is uh, the purest form of love in today's world is a mother's love for her child there's absolutely there's no sense of you know entitlement or it's not a business and it's, and love is is the purest from a mother's a mother's love for her child it's as close as it can get in this world so love is is that feeling where there it there is there is no exchange it is not a it's not a business yeah and true love is when you're able to connect to the to the root of the tree because most of the relationships that we have in this world are are material relationships they're temporary relationships and those it is just a perverted reflection of the true love which is there just like how if you're seeing a reflection of a tree on the water the reflection of the tree on the water is proof that the tree really exists but that is not the real thing so love in this world that we have in this world the relationships is compared to that reflection and the true love is when we connect us ourselves back to this to the super soul to the to the supreme power and it's like pouring uh, water on the root of the tree so if you're able to connect our love to the supreme being uh, everything else gets fulfilled so that's how i would look at love and of course uh, when in the scripture there are there are different stages of love you could uh, have love in the form of a servant like a master and a servant so like a servant has a uh, reverence and love for the master to serve the master that's the first category of love uh-huh. then you would have the next is a friendly love like we are very good friends and we have a different form of a love where i can you know hold your hand i can push you around and you know it's it's a different kind of love and you have parental love that's different like motherly and fatherly love like how you would give that love to your child it's a, it's a different kind of love and of course conjugal love like deep intimate you know relationship like how a husband and wife would have uh, that is just a powerful reflection but in in the in the spiritual sky that is the highest form of love which is pure there's no lust in there it is pure and that's what uh, when you study uh, deeper you know radha and krishna is is that form the divine masculine and divine feminine yeah coming together and where is the business love the business love all happens here in this world uh-huh. because here it is all it's all external it's outside in it's how beautiful you are or how it's it's outside in it's not inside out and are you using the love concept in your business activities absolutely so when you start to look at um every person that you're serving as a part and parcel of 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 the lord or or coming from a, from a from a posture looking at everyone as an individual soul how you can serve them then you then it becomes an act of love an act of service 
So where you're not just disregarding people, you're not judging people. Uh, you're just looking at each one is unique in their own path and how you can raise their awareness, how you can lift them up to, to where they want to go. Or if they are above you, how you can learn from them and how you can raise yourself up. That's, that's how I look at uh, this. In fact, there's a beautiful verse in, uh, in, in the Bhagavad Gita, which says, you know, it says, uh, a true seer of the truth is able to look at a dog, a dog eater, an enlightened person, and even the trees with equal vision, because he's able to see the spark in each one of them. And that's true love, where they're able to really look at that. Of course, that's a very high level of thinking, but that's what the, the, the Gita describes as. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Let's go to another topic. Uh, what's your daily routine? So my daily routine is uh, I wake up at 5 a.m. I do a mantra meditation. I do it for 90 minutes and uh, spend time with the kids. I get them ready, get them to school. I have two boys. My first one is seven years old. The second one is two years old. I hit my desk at uh, around 9 a.m. I spend the first part of my day uh, doing a lot of learning. So I tune into podcasts. I tune into various videos and mentors that I, you know, that I uh, resonate with. And I take a lot of notes. I do like at least an hour or two hours a day of learning. Uh, I keep some of my meetings in midday. And uh, I also do webinars like at least twice or thrice in a week. That happens morning at 11 a.m., 11 to 12, 11, 12 to 1. And usually the second half of the day is, is free. Like after 1 p.m., I don't do any work. I just try to keep it as open as possible. Spend more time with family, with kids, uh, with my wife. And what is family time like? Yeah, we watch movies together. We have lunch together. And now in lockdown, we don't go out much. So we are, we are just at home. We're discussing different things, doing activities together. And... Uh, yeah, the second half of the day, I do, I do coaching calls for people in the evening. I do group coaching with my students online. Like even today, I just finished a coaching call. We had around 700 people who are, who are live online. And I answer questions. I give them clarity. And everything happens through webinars. So this is how I've, I've structured my life in, uh, for the last, you know, I would say, 18 months. Where I only work four days in a week. Like I, do, I work on Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday, I keep it completely open. I don't have any meetings, nothing. That happens on Wednesdays. I keep. I like to keep one day just for thinking. Like I like to think about new ideas. Uh, I just keep that entire day blocked off. Uh, Thursday and Friday I can catch up and do work. Saturday is family day and Sunday is spiritual day. Like this is before the the lockdown. Uh, Saturday I would take the family out, go out somewhere, drive out of town. Uh, Sunday we would go to the temple together, which is nearby, and we would uh, you know pray together and just spend three to four hours. Uh, in the temple and come back. Just like how Sunday is church day for many Christians, the same way we incorporate it that way. So four days of work, one day thinking, one day family, one day spiritual, and each day where I keep the first, the start the day with meditation, uh, learning, and then everything else follows. Yeah. Ninety minutes of meditation. Yes. 
so the process that i do is uh, i chant the names of god uh, in the form of with using beads like how you have the rosary beads and the the beads uh, they have 108 beads so to complete one round of 108 times i chant 16 syllables it takes me 7 minutes and i do 16 rounds of that and this particular process is to hear the sound vibration because there are different processes of meditation and i'm sure you've also you know studied many of them this particular process is where you hear the sound vibration and by you hearing that sound vibration it actually you know, purifies your heart how could you describe the level of vibration is it the vibration on the level of your body uh, of your emotions your thoughts so uh, these 16 words or the syllables that i chant it is uh, it is actually given in the scripture it goes back to uh, the creator brahma where he had mentioned that these 16 syllables has the potency to to cleanse the heart and there are different processes for different ages where uh, if you when you go deep into this the first age uh, according to the you know to the scripture i mean according to the vedic uh, timeline is where people used to live for 100000 years in a yuga called the satya yuga and in that age meditation was the process that means they would sit for years in the forest and meditate i mean they would sit literally for years and there's a lot of uh, you know if you dig into the scripture you would there are many examples of that and i've gone to some of those places there's a forest called naimisharanya forest where uh, these sages would actually go and meditate there that was a process for that age in the next era where the people lifespan was uh, a 1000 years uh, the process for that age was uh, doing sacrifices like fire sacrifices and what they call as yagnas which was a process for that age and then the next era was the temple worship became big where again there was a uh, many of these old temples that you would see in india were constructed in that in the 3000 to 5000 time frame you know the big one the old one the old temples where the ruins are still there so the process for that age was uh, temple worship where they would have the deity and people would go and it, the temple was the center of the community and everyone would go to that temple it was in that format and in this age which is what they call as kali yuga Uh, the lifespan of people is just hundred years, and even that is, you know, if people are lucky, they go to hundred years. So the best process for this age, which has been recommended in the scripture, is the chanting of mantra because you can instantly connect. So what is the vibration that we feel? Is uh, it can vary from person to person, but it is more of, uh, you know, you would start to feel a. Uh, a true connection to to yourself and to god and you would you would see a lot of uh traits that you had which were keeping you stuck uh, you would start to automatically give that up and i'll, I'll tell you how in, in one way like many of us have are conditioned by different ways of thinking we're conditioned by by different habits that negative habits that bind us and i noticed when whenever i when i incorporated this into my life from when i was young a lot of the negative feelings to others negative thoughts even though it would keep coming right now because the mind is like a monkey mind you cannot control it but uh but just by chanting this it does two things one is it it helps control the mind and it helps purify the heart if done if done in the right attitude yes sometimes it can also get mechanical because it's just the same sound vibration again and again it becomes into autopilot mode 
And that's where you're not really getting the juice out of that meditation. So you got to bring the mind back and focus back. And that's the practice. define the difference between being into awareness and being into the autopilot state very nice question so autopilot state is like uh, when you're driving a car initially when you are going when you're learning how to drive a car you are really conscious about you know pressing that clutch and shifting the gear and you know moving forward but once you get the hang of it it's an autopilot that means you you're unconsciously shifting the gears so there is no consciousness about what's happening in your drive so that's that's the analogy i can give so when it comes to mantra meditation initially you'll be very conscious you'll you actually get the juice but over time you'll start to see that it becomes okay it's just running in the background when i say autopilot you're saying it from your mouth but your mind is somewhere else you're thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow you're going to be thinking about what what things to buy in the store and all that your your mind is wavering but at that moment when you're able to bring it back okay let's focus on the sound let's focus on the name that's where you that's the practice that is adopted yeah how would you implement the state of awareness into a daily business routine yes so when it comes to the meditation part of it it's about controlling the mind in this format when it comes to business uh it is about looking at it in three levels and this is one something that shared that was shared with me by one of my mentors blair singer if you've heard of him he is uh robert kiyosaki's uh you know rich dad advisor so he talks about when you're running a business you need to be aware of three things mission first customer second community second and me third if you are able to prioritize your decisions on a day to day basis on a minute to minute basis in your business on these three things is this going to be helping take the mission forward good to go or is is this going to is only for my self centered you know decision that's where things could go wrong so mission first customer second me third and that's the awareness that i always think about uh, while running my business Okay, now let's go to to your business. Tell us more about your business. So, currently I'm in the business of helping people take their knowledge and make that into a lucrative uh you know, business model for themselves. And I've framed something called the freedom business model. How to build a business without any office or employees. Right? Using your knowledge. So, the first part of what i help people in my business is i help them get clarity on their niche there are only five niches where people are ready to spend their money when it comes to buying products or getting coached online the first niche is business growth so if you're going to help businesses grow with whatever skills and knowledge that you have they'll be ready to to pay you money for that okay the second niche is career growth 
there are many people who want to move up in their careers and they want to get better jobs, better, you know, uh, recognition in their workplace. And there are a lot of sub niches under that. So that's the second niche. The third niche is health and wellness. And that's a big one. You know, you can go deep into it, like weight loss. You can go into natural healing, crystal healing, you know, nutrition, all of this would come under health and wellness. Number four is relationships, uh, parenting, you know, couples coming together. That is also a niche. And number five is make money. Okay. How you can make more money through stock markets, how you can make more money through coaching, how you can make more money through multiple ways, you know, affiliate marketing. So what I do is I help people discover and narrow down on their niche, which is step one. This is my business. Yeah. And then I help them develop a unique formula on how they can create package that into uh, a product that they can sell for anywhere from like hundred dollars going up to even $5,000 and make it into an ascension model, make it into a three level offering. So for example, if you, uh, if you are a nutrition expert, I will, I will show you how to design a beautiful basic level product, which you can sell for hundred dollars, how you can create a little bit more advanced level product for $500 or thousand dollars and how you can actually include high ticket coaching at a $2,000 level and how you can, once you design all of this, then how do you market that and how do you sell that to make it into a sustainable business model without any officer employees? So that is my business. So I help, I help people take their knowledge and package that into a, into a super profitable uh, knowledge business. How long did you invest into your learning curve and are you still into the learning curve? Are you into the lifelong learning path? Absolutely. I mean, the learning never stops and it keeps evolving. But when did I get started was uh, in 2011, I got into the digital marketing industry. I, uh, I, I set up my own small little agency along with my business partner and we started to do services. We started to build websites. We started to do digital marketing, Facebook ads, and that ran for a good six, seven years. Even now it is running. But in 2018, where the pivot happened, where I decided, okay, you know, I started my own business so that I can be my own boss. But the truth about the agency business is you'll end up having multiple bosses. You know, I had 35 bosses to report to because all of them are my clients and I need to you know, address them, even though I had a team. And that's when I was thinking, let me move away from the services business and let me start building products because products, it's lesser hassle. And if it's a digital product, there's no manufacturing, there's no shipping, there's no handling, no logistics. I can just sell online and People get it instantly. They can be in any part of the world and I don't need to do anything else after that. It's, it's up to them to consume that knowledge. And I found that very attractive uh, in 2018. And that's how I got started in this journey. But then as I started to sell products, I realized that uh, people just by buying products, they are not going to get the results. I need to support them after that. I need to give them a more handholding and help them get the results. So the entire uh, framework shifted from a product-based business model into a community-based business model where I started to uh, do coaching calls. I started to do hackathons where like every month I would work with batches of people and I would guide them step-by-step step on how to design their systems. And now it's become into a, you know, it's, it's become into a, a mini kind of movement. Now we have thousands of people all over India, each one are creating their products. I have more than 100 success stories of people who have achieved over $5,000 packaging their knowledge and selling it through webinars. So I've created it into a formula. 
the formula is identify a niche, create a very high value offering, keep a community based approach, support people after they have bought your products. And the more important thing is learn how to sell uh, using webinars and how to drive traffic into your webinars. So my whole methodology is products are already in set right now. I'm running a lot of ads to fill my webinars. I add a lot of value 60 minutes. I really educate my audience and then I offer my product uh, in the webinars and that's how I'm able to you know, maximize my, uh, my business. So I actually work like two days in a week and uh, able to create and, and the system that I've built on the back end is creating that leverage for myself. Regarding people that are in startup phase, uh, if you can explain to us what is your organizational structure now and how did you begin? Excellent question. It's a very good question. For a business model like this, when you're starting off, you will not need any employees. You'll not need any infrastructure in terms of real estate. The only infrastructure that is required is the online tools. You need a website, you need a landing page, you'll need your uh, your funnel tools, you need your webinar tools. Like there are a few important tools that are important for, you know, for uh, starting off on the business. So going from zero to say 500 customers, no problem. You can handle it. Once it crosses 500, you'll start to see a lot more customer service inquiries that keep coming in the mailbox. That means a lot of people will have questions. Okay. I'm not able to access the course. Uh, you know, I some people may ask for refunds. And be, there's a whole lot of management that needs to happen over there. And at that point, uh, I was actually answering around 200 emails in a day, 300 emails in a day, managing it all myself. Then I realized the importance of having a you know, community manager. So the first structure, first person that I brought on. Excuse me, was it a VA or full-time? Full-time, full-time community manager. Full-time, yes. okay. Yes. Okay. And uh, I found this community manager from my own community. Like, Somebody who has been through my process, somebody who has understood. And then uh, he worked for me for free for three months. I was just testing him out and I could see the commitment that he was looking at this as a long-term thing. Then I put them on a full-time. So community manager came in. So this role, uh, now he's been handling all of that stuff. Uh, like it has freed a lot of my time. And the, the other piece which I've included into my system is a content specialist. Now I have been doing my podcasts on my own. I've been recording my videos, editing on my own, but now I have found somebody who can even remove that pain away where I can only really focus on recording the video, shooting the, you know, getting the podcast done, putting it up on drive and they will do the entire publishing part of it. I mean, that person will do the entire publishing part of it. So the structure is actually community manager, content manager and uh, finance. You know, I have an outsourced finance person who can send all the invoices and the reports because that's an important part of the puzzle as well. And I, I guess, uh, and there's one more piece, uh, which is my, my ads manager. It, I used to run all the Facebook advertising myself. That means I used to write the ads. I would put the budgets in and I did that for a good, uh, in fact, only to last month for a good, uh, 16 to 17 months, I ran all my campaigns on my own. And now I've, I've outsourced it to a very good agency that can handle that as well. So my only focus now is on, on, uh, on developing new content on adding more value to the community and, uh, and developing new products. 
and uh, your SEO is based on content or it's all content based. So my my major traffic source is Facebook ads. So I'm running okay. a lot of Facebook ads. I'm targeting the right people to get people to my webinars. And besides that, I have a YouTube channel with over I think around thirty thousand subscribers. Beautiful. I've got uh, an email list of one hundred and fifty thousand subscribers. Beautiful. At this point, and uh, what else? Uh, I think these are my main. And I have a Facebook group with over forty thousand people in my group, which is which is pretty big. Can you share with us uh, some of apps you are using? I've tested over three hundred plus tools. Uh, because I'm a I'm a you know a tool junkie and I like to go and test things out, and I brought it down to like five or six that I'm using right now. So for my email, I use ConvertKit, which is which is really cool. Aweber is also superb. There's no doubts. Uh, two, I use uh, ClickFunnels for my landing pages for me to collect all the leads. Three, I use uh, Teachable.com for me to host all my courses on there. Four, I use uh, uh, ClickMagic. For my click tracking, I want to track and see. I want to track exactly from where my clicks are coming from different traffic sources. Then I use uh, Webinar Jam for my webinars, for my sales webinars. I use Zoom for my community calls. Um, what else do I have? Do you have anything for your tribe? Yes, for my tribe, I'm using a tool uh, called Mighty Networks. Mm-hmm. I've built my own uh, social network. So it is only for the paid members. I also have a Facebook group for the public, but for my paid members, I have my own dedicated social cool. network. Yeah. So these are the tools, seven tools, which are essential, which works for me. And how can one become a digital coach in the next 90 days? If they have to become a digital coach, they need to go through a step-by-step approach to learning how to design that. And for that, I've actually created a, a resource uh, for your audience. It is a $97 resource called Freedom Business Blueprint. I'm going to give you the blueprint and I'm willing to give it for free. So I'll actually give you the link in the description and um, they can go and check it out because in this resource, they are going to be learning uh, how digital coaching works. What are the seven different types of business models? I'm going to share also what are the different the evolution of an expert in the digital age. I'm, I will talk about the three pillars of influence, how you can influence people online uh, to attract people to you rather than you chasing people, how to build multiple revenue floors and how to build digital tribes so that the entire process, the entire blueprint, I've created this into a, into a mini course, which uh, anyone can go through in a, in a 90 minute sitting within 90 minutes, they'll be able to get the entire concept. So it's a $97 course, but I'm willing to give it for free. Your audience that sounds really amazing Zidarth. thank you so much and you mentioned webinars can you share a little bit more about it as well yes i do webinars every single week so if anyone goes to sidzsids.co slash freedom then you then they can register for my next upcoming live webinar where i'll actually walk through the the entire process on how I was able to take my business from the scratch to over a million dollars in sales in 20 months. Zidar, thank you so much for sharing with us your way of thinking and, and of living and making business. Do you want to share anything else at the end of our episode? Absolutely. There's a beautiful uh, quote that I love. 
uh, which I always like to share at the end of uh, the different events that I used to speak in, which is when your thoughts, when your words, and when your actions align, you become a magnet to miracles. Thanks again, and uh, Zidat, uh, keep in touch. Thank you. Great to be here. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorek.